Well, let's take to heart and put into practice everything the Lord speaks to us through his uh, word this morning. The portion of scripture we're going to read will be Psalm 15 from the Passion Translation. Lord, who dares to dwell with you? Who presumes the privilege of being close to you, living next to you in your shining place of glory? Who are those who daily dwell in the life of the Holy Spirit? They are passionate and wholehearted, always sincere, always speaking the truth, for their hearts are trustworthy. They refuse to slander or insult others. They never listen to gossip or rumors, nor should, would they ever harm another with their words. They will speak out passionately against evil and evil workers while commending the faithful ones who follow after the truth. They make firm commitments and follow through, even at great cost. They never crush others with exploitation or abuse, and they would never be bought with a bribe against the innocent. They will never be shaken. They will stand firm forever. Amen. Thank you, Dr. Paul, for reading that. I'm going to ask you to uh, open up your Bibles to Psalm 15, because that's where we will be this morning, Psalm chapter 15. We're actually going to go verse by verse through that. We are um, only reading that passage today because we're going to save a little bit of time uh, for the end of the service to pray over those that are being licensed for ministry. But each of the verses for this week are found in the bulletin, and the questions are there as well, as Jennifer mentioned, so that you can dive into to all of God's Word because it takes the whole Bible uh, to make a whole Christian. And so we're going to look at um, Psalm 15 today, and our Bible reading uh, actually begins with a question. Questions are good. They're important. We should learn to ask questions more. Questions are good because if we ask questions, it, it helps us to learn. Asking questions helps us to know people better. It helps us to build deeper relationships. Asking questions eliminates confusion. Asking questions, that demonstrates humility in our life. Asking questions stimulates creativity. And asking, question, asking questions can help us solve problems. And so there are serious questions that we can ask, and then there's not-so-serious questions we can ask. And I looked online to find some questions that kids asked, and these are actual questions that kids asked. And so a young five-year-old boy asked his mom, Mom, my belly hurts. Am I pregnant? <clears throat> One kid asked, in the olden days, was everything in black and white? Another little uh, kid asked, looking through the oven uh, window, Mommy, are the cookies loading? That's, that's a new generation there, right? And then there's deeper questions that kids ask, like, why is the moon called the moon? Hmm. Or how about this one? Why did swear words get invented if we're not allowed to say them? <laughs> Good questions. David asks a good question at the beginning of the psalm. He actually asks the big question. And rabbis tell us that this psalm actually comes from the tragedy of Uzziah. You can read the story in 2 Samuel chapter 6. It's the 
story where the ark of God is coming into Jerusalem and this is the very presence of God. People are so excited that it's coming in. They're shouting, they're dancing, they're praising God. It's like a party as the ark of the covenant is coming to Jerusalem. They've been waiting for this moment. God has brought it about. It's going to be awesome. And so the ark's coming in and then the, it's pulled by oxen. And, and so it's not real smooth and it kind of hits some bumps. And so the ark starts to slip off the cart and Uzzah just puts his hand out to steady it. And when he touches it, he's killed instantly. And the Bible tells us that there was great fear throughout all of Israel at that moment. And it led David to ask the question of the psalm. And so we're going to go verse by verse through it and see how it speaks to our life. And so we'll begin in Psalm 15, verse 1. Lord, who dares to dwell with you? Who presumes the privilege of being close to you, living next to you in your shining place of glory? Who are those who daily dwell in the life of the Holy Spirit? David says, who? God, you're so holy, so wonderful, so awesome. Who can be close to you? Who can dwell with you? And David asked this question as a person after God's own heart. And we know that God is always looking at the heart. So he asked this question from his heart. And this is so important what we're going to talk about today. Because your heart, listen to me, your heart guides everything in your life. Your heart will guide your decisions, your actions, your discipline, your obedience. And then David breaks it down into four areas in this psalm that we'll talk about today. And, and we'd be tempted just to kind of mark these things off like, okay, well, I'll do this and I'll do this and I'll do this and I'll do this. And then we'll be like, okay, then I'm right with God and, and then I can be in his presence and then I'm okay. Listen, what I'm about to talk about, it's not a to-do list. It's about your heart. And so as we talk about these things, listen to the heart of God as he changes our heart. So we're just going to go verse by verse through it. And so David begins to talk about our actions. In Psalm 15, verse 2, he says, Those who lead blameless lives and do what is right, speaking the truth from sincere hearts. Who can be close to God? Who can dwell with God? Those with blameless lives. Those who are righteous. Those who do what is right. Those who are blameless. Well, who fits that description? I mean, even the best one of us in here still has messed up. The Bible says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So does that mean nobody can dwell with God? Is it hopeless? It's not hopeless. Look at this verse in Romans chapter 5, verse 1. Our faith in Jesus transfers God's righteousness to us. And he now declares us flawless in his eyes. Isn't that beautiful? He declares you flawless in his eyes. This means we can enjoy true and lasting peace with God all because of our, what our Lord Jesus, the anointed one, has done for us. He died on a cross for your sin. He has made you righteous. You belong to him. And that's why we can enter his presence. That's why we can dwell with God. And he can dwell with us. And the Bible says over and over again, I will uphold the righteous. That's what God says. I will uphold the righteous. Guess what? You are righteous in the name of Jesus. 
says in Psalm 37, verse 17, For the Lord takes care of all of his forgiven ones, while the strength of the evil will surely slip away. God takes care of his forgiven ones. You belong to God. You are made holy. God says, you belong to me. You're set apart for me. I talked about this a couple weeks ago. If you remember, I brought my toothbrush in, and I talked about how my toothbrush is holy. It's set apart. It belongs to me. Only I use my toothbrush. None of you get to use my toothbrush. Not even my wife gets to use my toothbrush. It belongs to me. And God says the same thing about you. You belong to him. And and you're righteous, but you didn't get there on your own. It's what God has done for you. And so God's at work in your heart. And when God's at work in our heart, everything in our life will begin to change. It's all about having a heart after God and following him. And when we follow him, when we're obedient to him and he's working on our heart, our actions begin to change. The next thing that David begins to talk about is our words. He ends the the, the first verse by talking about speaking truth, but then he continues into the next verse where he says, those who refuse to gossip or harm their neighbors or speak evil of their friends. So who can be with God? Those who have the right voice, the right words. See, the mouth is the voice of the heart. Whatever's going on inside of here is going to come out. At some point, at some moment, even, you know, on a good day, good words come out, but on a bad day or in a tragedy, bad things come out because whatever's going on in here is going to come out. Jesus said it this way, Matthew 12, 34, for out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So whatever's going on in here is going to come out of your mouth. The Bible has a lot to say about our mouth, about our tongue, about our words, and it's from the beginning to the end, but we'll just look at Psalms and Proverbs. You know what the Bible says about your tongue and just the Psalm and Proverbs, just those two books? It says that your tongue is deceitful, destructive. It devours. It's a sharp sword. It it breaks bones. It backbites. It poisons. That's what the Bible says about our words. James 3.8 says, no one can tame the tongue. It's restless and evil, full of deadly poison. Ooh. James says, how can something so small be so evil, so destructive? See, left to ourselves, that's just what's going to come out of our mouth. But when God begins to change your heart, your words begin to change. We need to get a grip on our tongue, get a grip on what we say. Listen to me, if you can get a grip on your tongue, everything in your life will change. If you can change what's coming out of your mouth, everything in your life will change. Let me give you four things. You can write these down. How do we get a grip on our tongue? Well, everything we say, it should be wholesome, be constructive, be honest, and be kind. Everything that comes out of our mouth, it should be wholesome and constructive and honest and kind. Now, that's not going to normally happen. That's not our default setting, right? But when God is at work in our heart and in our life, these things begin to change. And when our speech begins to change, everything begins to change in our life. And let me give you this as well while we're talking about words. Sometimes we just need to be quiet. Yeah, don't be quiet when I'm preaching. You can say amen. But but sometimes you guys are way too quiet when I'm preaching. But... uh, but here's the thing, don't, 
Sometimes you don't need to talk. You need to listen. You need to close your mouth and open your ears and listen. Talk less and listen more. My mom and my favorite TV program growing up was Columbo. We just loved watching Columbo. And I think it's because they show you who the bad guy is right at the beginning. So you don't have to figure out for the rest of the show who's the bad guy. Columbo has to do that. And you're like, come on, Columbo, you can get him. And uh, what's Columbo's famous line? Just one more thing. Just one more thing. Just as he's walking away or, or, or the suspect's walking away, just one more thing. And he asks the question and then he, he listens. And let me tell you, when you just ask and you listen, you're going to learn a lot. We talked about it at the beginning. Listening helps every part of our life. So listen, ask questions and and listen. But when you do speak, speak life. Speak life. See, Samson last weekend said it so eloquently when he talked about choosing life. And that he thought when he got saved as a youngster, he thought, well, when I make this decision to choose life, I've made that decision and I'm choosing life. And he said, no, it's actually a decision I need to make every day and every moment of my life to choose life over and over and over again to choose life. Let me tell you, speak life. Speak life over and over and over again. Allow God to be at work in your heart so that your speech is wholesome and constructive and honest and kind. So that you speak life when you speak. The next one is relationships. That's the next thing David deals with in verse 4. It's those who despise flagrant sinners and honor the faithful followers of the Lord and keep their promises, even when it hurts. Who can stand with God? Who can be close to God? It's the ones with right relationships. Right relationships will keep you right with God. And every relationship in your life should be drawing you closer to God. And in order to have a right relationship with someone else, you have to have a relationship of honor. That you'll honor them more than you honor yourself. Our default setting as human beings is selfishness. We just, we immediately go in that direction. And so we need God at work in our heart so that we don't think of ourselves first, but we think of others first. It says in Philippians chapter 2 and verse 3, don't allow self-promotion to hide in your hearts. Be in authentic humility. Put others first and view others more important than yourselves. Honor other people. Bless them. Don't be selfish. And he also said in this passage of scripture, keep your promises. Keep your promises. Even when it's hard. Even when it's difficult. Even when you feel like giving up. Keep the promises you make. Keep the promises you make to your spouse, to your family, to your friends at work. Wherever you're at, keep your promises. That's part of right relationships. Who can dwell with God? Those that keep their promises, keep their covenants. That's what God does with us. And when he works on our heart, he can help us to keep our promises. The fourth area that he talks about here is interesting as he talks about money. He says in verse 5, who can dwell in the house of the Lord? Those who lend money without charging interest and those who cannot be bribed to lie about the innocent. Such people will stand firm 
forever. He talks about our money. And the reason that David brings this up or God puts it in his word, you're like, that doesn't really fit on the list, does it? It absolutely does because our money reflects our heart. I think everybody wants to be rich, right? There you go. Okay, so that's where I get the amens. All right. All right, well, I'm going to give you, I'm going to, I'm going to help you today, okay? I'm going to help you be rich. This is John D. Rockefeller's three things you have to do to be rich. So I'm going to give these to you. Write these down. Who wants to be rich, right? We want to be rich. He was rich. So these are the three rules for anyone who wants to become rich. Number one, go to work early. Go to work early. Number two, stay at work late. Number three, find oil. Thanks, Mr. Rockefeller. He brings up money because money reflects our heart. It's part of who we are. And he says, I want you to be faithful and obedient with your money. Jesus said it this way, and this is in the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus says in Matthew 6.21, wherever your treasure is, there your heart will be also. That our hearts follow our money. And that's why giving is so important. And I just want to take a moment on this and, and because it reflects our heart. Money is, is interesting in the Bible because it's the only thing that you're forced to worship other than God. And you can say, I'm not, I don't worship money. I would never worship money. We all worship money. Hopefully you get tomorrow off. I don't know if you do or not. But if you get tomorrow off, I hope you get it off. But then the next day you got to get up early, got to go to work. Some people go to jobs that they just don't like, but they go there so they'll get a paycheck. So they'll get money so they can pay the bills and take care of everything. And, and it just takes money to survive. And so we are forced to, the thing that you will do more in this life than anything else is work. And we're forced to do it. We're forced to work for money. That's just how it goes. So we give our lives to money. We worship it whether we know it or not. And God says, no, you should have no other gods before me. I've got to be number one. And so how is he number one? Is we take 10% of what he gives us. And not the 10% at the end. What does he say? The 10% at the beginning. And I'm not going to tell you what to give. That's between you and God. That is your heart before the Lord. But I will tell you this. Take that first fruit. And in the Bible, he talks about 10%. Take that first fruit and give it to him. Say, God, you're number one in my life. And thank you for all the blessings you give me. And it's good. But God, I want to, I want to give to you. Because when you obey God in giving, you're saying, God, you're number one. God, I trust you more than anything else. And, and that's so important in our life. And so who can stand before the Lord? It's those with the right heart. It's not just about giving. It's about having that heart before God. Because when we give, that's when we're most like God. It, it's just because God is a giver. He gave his one and only begotten son. That's how God is. That's who he is. And that's how we should be. It's an important part of dwelling in the presence of God. All of these things are. And then if you look at the very last verse again, in just that last line of the psalm, who can dwell in the, heart of the, in, in the presence of the Lord? You know, it talks about our actions and our words and our relationships and our money. And then at the very end he says, such people will stand firm forever. That's a beautiful promise, isn't it? 
We want our lives built on the rock, right? This is what's at stake here in this psalm. Who can dwell in the presence of the Lord? Who can be close to Him? Who's building their life on the rock? It's those that have a heart after Him. Those that are allowing God to work on their heart so that their actions reflect their heart and their words reflect their heart and their relationships reflect the heart of God and their giving reflects God. That all of these things are moving in motion. And you can say, well, I've messed up here, I've messed up there, I've broken this promise or I've done this bad thing or you can say all those things, but let me tell you today as we sang in our very first song, as we remember what Jesus did for us, amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I have blown it, yes, but, but I've never done anything that, that God would cast me away forever because his grace is so big. And it's not just that he forgives my sin. This is what I love about grace. Grace equips you to do what God instructs you to do. Grace equips you to do what God instructs you to do. So I have grace in my life to do these things. You could, we could get disappointed at the beginning. Who can stand in your presence, Lord? Blameless people? I'm not blameless. Or, or people who speak right now, I've said bad things. You know, just go through the list. And we can have grace because God says, I'm going to be at work in your heart and in your life, molding you and shaping you. And these things are going to turn around and you're going to dwell with me and I'm going to change you. And these things are going to be at work in your life. And then you are building your life on the rock and you will stand firm. Not just for a few days, what? You'll stand firm forever. And so we put our hope in the grace of God. His grace is at work in our heart. And when God's at work in our heart, the only thing left to do is to go and live it out. And so we embrace what he's telling us in this psalm today. Who can stand in the presence of God? Who can touch the presence of God? Who can be close to, to God? Those that have a heart after him. Those who God's at work in their heart, making them blameless. Those that are working in their mouth, helping them to speak life. Those that are at work in relationships so that they can, they can have those right relationships and those that give. Our kids are joining us, and as they come in, would you bow your heads and your hearts with me today? We're called to live this out. And I'm going to ask the boys and girls to listen to me now as we pray. God, thank you for your word. Thank you that your word speaks life to us. Thank you, God, that you're at work inside of us, that we're not righteous on our own, but God, that you're at work changing our hearts. And in changing our hearts, you're changing our actions and our words. You're changing our relationships. You're changing our giving. You're changing everything about us. God, we want everything to be changed to be more like you, God. We want your will, your way. We want to build our lives on the rock. We want to stand firm forever. We want to be in your presence, God. We want to touch your presence. We want to be close to you. God, I pray that you'd be so at work in our lives this week that these things would begin to change, that there would be life in our actions and our words. There would be life in our relationships and in our giving. There would be new life, God. Lord, thank you that you never give up on us, that your grace is so big. And God, that grace is going to give us the ability to do what you called us to do. Thank you for that grace.
as we wait in the presence of the Lord in this quiet moment, His word finds good ground in our heart. I'm going to ask you to make a commitment to the Lord. Everything I've preached about it, it it only works with Jesus. This is not something you can go and try to be better and try to speak better and try to do these things. This isn't a a to-do list. This is a heart thing, and it begins with having a heart after God. Our sin separates us from God. But Jesus died on a cross for our sins. We remembered that at communion. I'm going to remind you of that now. That you may not be 100% good, but you can be 100% forgiven by the blood of Jesus. And all it takes is for you to surrender your life to him. To, to believe it in your heart and speak it with your voice. And you will be saved. And so I'm going to give you that opportunity this morning. I'm going to give everyone that opportunity to pray this prayer. Whether you're listening online or, or listening at some point or you're here right now in this moment. Whether you're a child who just walked in or a grandparent of one of those children. Uh, it's for all of us. For those that are near to God and those that find themselves far from God today, it's just a prayer of commitment. And I'm going to ask all of you to pray this prayer with me. Would you repeat these words? Dear Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. I need your forgiveness. I believe that you died for my sins. I want to turn from my sins. I now invite you to come into my heart and life. I want to trust and follow you as my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name, amen.